There is a website where you can upload pictures of your cat and they'll put it on socks for you. And I really want to do it now. Dude, there was this, there's this thing where um, you can take a picture of like your pet and they can turn it into a paint by number picture, <gasps> like cool watercolor too. picture. But I really want crew socks with my cat on them. So I asked her to send me the link because I was like, hey, I need that in my life. But also that would be a good funny thing to do for dad with Padfoot. <laughs> and the cutting edge of technology is kind of sad that these are the things that are like, oh, yes, I need this. <laughs> Have you, I know that this point has been made on the internet many times, but it's funny that like. Every point has been made on the internet many times. I know, I know, but I'm saying, so I'm, I'm just the saying. Collective that, like, voice I, the I, what I meant is this is not me like making this observation myself. I'm saying that I saw this, but it's funny <laughs> that like all of humanity is like obsessed with cats. And like we like even with the amount of technology we have and everything, like lasers, so I'm taking the point that we just use them to play with cats. My like hates cats. So and much. that like like just everything that humans do, we just always find a way to bring it back to cats, like one way or another. It's really weird. Like or llamas, or llamas, but cats especially. Cats are the you... face of the internet. They really they are. really are. Yeah. Whether and... it's memes or just social media in general or marketing or mood. Or yeah. mood. <laughs> yeah. And and then just things that, like, w that's what we use our technology for. It's like, oh, we can do cool, like, you can s print anything you want. People want to print pictures of their cat or do a paint-by-numbers with their cat. Or, like, we develop lasers and we use them to play with cats. Wait, paint-by-numbers with your cat? Like... Not, it, like, with your cat. Like, you take a photo of that your cat. That would be so much cooler. You send in a photo of your cat, dude. <laughs> you send in a photo of your cat and then they turn it into, like, a paint by number kit for you so you can paint you, a what, picture of your cat what kind of cat do you have i don't have a cat <laughs> why do you want to do this i'm just saying you can do it she's I'm just point. thinking we have three cats one of them is black and white one of them is just gray and the other one is like brown and black so yeah, it just turned, it just looked like a blob. I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How Our cats well this... wouldn't be very interesting. I think in anymore. theory, it's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. If you had like a striped, like a tabby or something, or a yeah. calico, it would be cute. Mm -hmm. But our cats are really a little too like. I mean, like yeah, Padfoot's a blue Siamese, so he just has like that nice like soft gray transition. Gray, white coat. Yeah. So unless you could paint with like a gradient, which paint my numbers are not to paint gradients. No, no, no. no. Like these are intricate. Like <laughs> each little thing is really small so that it gets like the shading of your pet it's like adult coloring books yes. not <laughs> whoa not uh -huh. yeah. adult coloring books nate Ooh. that's a can of worms that doesn't need opening <laughs> why is there even a can although of worms i'm sure there, it nate? exists i'm sure it exists <laughs> not that i would know somewhere <laughs> nate's like i've just heard that this is a thing that exists somewhere however uh so today we don't have Aaron again in presumed we have Briar today. Wait, I don't what? know her last name. What's your last name? Demer. Briar Demer. Demer? Yes. Okay. I was gonna go with Patch as my go to. I mean but... my last name my maiden name is Poole, so like do what you want. Stepping in for the presumed dead Aaron. Yeah, again, if you've point... seen Aaron, tell us. Cause we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's not communicating with us. Yeah, I, I don't know if you know, normally we have, it's not really normally at this point anymore, in the past. For about half of our episodes at this point. Well, yeah, in theory, <laughs> one of the co-hosts for the show is a man named Aaron, who at random intervals just drops off a map. 
where you can't contact him in any way at all unless you found him in person and he mm-hmm. just doesn't talk to you and he doesn't like read messages or anything. Yeah. So And then he'll randomly show back up and be like, Oh hey guys. So I mean, even when he's not MIA, like he's still hard to contact. You you'll try to text him or something and sometimes he won't open it for days. Or he'll open it but he won't respond for days. And I mean, we see it happen when we're with him in person where he'll get notifications for things and he just swipes them away and then won't check it for the rest of the That I understand. Because if you get a notification like a... Maybe he's like a secret agent or something. That, well, first of all, would really well, surprise me, but also, I mean, I could see At the see same it. time, it would not surprise me. It's something me. he would volunteer to get involved in, for Honestly. sure. So. <laughs> that and probably, like, test medical procedures. <laughs> <laughs> like, like where they pay you for it. What? For that, I, I don't know. I'm, I just thought of it because the Rooster Teeth episode that I was listening to today. That's, that's exactly how Bernie had his wisdom yeah. teeth removed. They paid him eight hundred dollars for it because he went in. It was like an, it's like for experimental me- medical procedures. So they paid him like eight hundred dollars. But it's to, for his wisdom teeth. For his wisdom mm-hmm. teeth removal. And so then they just you know either way I don't know what it was in his case, but it's one of those things where either the technique is experimental or the drugs that they give you afterwards are experimental, and you might be part of the placebo group. But apparently you're allowed to tell them if you start feeling pain, and then they'll give you mm-hmm. drugs. But but if you start yeah. feeling pain, that might be the placebo effect, knowing that you should be feeling pain. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that was how this guy had his wisdom teeth removed because he was in college and he didn't have health insurance and he couldn't afford to do it otherwise. But they were all impacted and he needed them removed, Dang. and so that's how he did it. And he got paid eight hundred bucks for it. And was probably so, in the control group. Would be my guess. I would imagine, but. Yeah, so anyway, Aaron is the kind of person I could definitely like 110% see signing up for I'm going to be like honest that. with you. I thought about like, you know, if that was an opportunity around here, I might consider that because it's expensive to get your wisdom teeth pulled out. Yeah. Here's the thing. So in my philosophy class, our professor asked us like, if you could have like five minutes of the worst pain imaginable and then following that or whatever, have five minutes of the best experience ever like whatever that is whatever those are to you would you do it are you talking about giving birth and then having your kid right there because i mean that's exactly that's one way that you could yeah but like we're talking about just like two five minute increments no why not because if i only get five minutes of the best thing ever that's not worth it to go through five minutes of the worst thing ever but the five minutes of the worst thing ever doesn't have any ramifications upon just that five minute boundary it's not like you're sustaining injuries or anything it's just the pain or whatever the worst That'd still be, like, the longest five minutes Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, if it was five minutes of the worst pain you can think of or imagine, even if you didn't have to sustain the injury or whatever, but just to experience that level, like, your brain is just experiencing that pain, that's not worth it if I only get five minutes of having, like, the best thing ever. But you've never had the best thing ever. You I don't, don't know care. how five good minutes... that is. <laughs> exactly. So if it's the best thing ever, I want more than five minutes of it. Like if it was like you get the best thing ever for the rest of your life. All right. Yeah, I could go through five minutes of insufferable pain for that, but not for five minutes of good. I'll just keep my mediocre life. <laughs> See, that's True. where I, that was my thought at first. But then I looked at it this way, where either way from right now, 10 minutes in the future, you're going to be exactly the same. So why not just like go for it? Either way, in 10, 12 minutes, you're going to be... It's just not worth just... it. Not worth it. Not worth it. I don't see the point. Is really the thing. Like, I just what's told the... you the point. It's an yeah, experience yeah, but that what's, this what's... is your, like, one-time What are you going to do with that experience? Have. Be like, ah, oh, yes, I wasted 10 minutes of my life, or at least five minutes of it. 
Maybe not 10 minutes. Maybe the five minutes of the good part would be fine. In the we age definitely of the internet, wasted the five minutes. In the age of the internet, wasting 10 minutes is like not even I would rather waste that about. 10 minutes on Pinterest. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just saying. So. That's my stance. That was Briar. And then to my right <laughs> is the beautiful Karina Clark. And it's whom kind of I am no way attracted to. <laughs> because I just called her beautiful. But introduce yourself. All right, and uh, this podcast is limited to everything. All right, so we're back. <laughs> Today, we're talking about one film called The Joker. No, just, just Joker. Joker. Thank you. Right behind me. Joker, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro, and not very many other people, actually, as far as big names go. I have it right here. We're looking at Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, and then maybe Francis Conroy. I'm not familiar with That's the girl who plays mom. I don't know if you guys are familiar She with plays her. in High Metro Mother. Yeah. Oh, that's so. skip my radar. Um, Zazy Beats. Hopefully I'm saying that right. That's the the his neighbor yeah. that he thinks he falls in love with. And uh, yeah. There's, yeah, well, there's really not a lot of other people. I guess oh. there's the two guys who at work, um, Randall who and was, Gary. I was just going to say, did you recognize the fat guy? He looked familiar and I was not able to place him, though. He was in the very first podcast we ever did movie podcast oh velvet buzzsaw before we were posted before velvet buzzsaw before we were what did we watch before that we were just talking about it earlier oh oh um frankenstein chronicles uh, well after that <laughs> in between what was the one what was the one we did that just went terribly i don't remember suburbicon oh right okay <laughs> i totally for i totally spaced yeah. that I totally forgot. He plays that we the about one that. of the mafia guys. Yeah, the one who okay. gets hit by the fire truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire okay, truck. that's a good movie. You should watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's a really. It's an interesting movie. I mean, that's not what we're here to talk about, but you should watch. No, it. No, but it is like it's. If you like movies that have not really twists, but are just you don't know what to expect from them. Like they are going to throw curveballs at you. That's a really good movie for that. Mm-hmm. Critically, it's did very poorly. Tonally, it's kind of at war with at war with itself. Nate and I disagreed Which on... Which we disagree on that. But. Well, not just with the tone thing, but Nate and I disagreed on whether or not there was a level of symbolism going on mm. and, like, the way that Which there was some juxtaposition. Think, if you don't think that there is a level of symbolism, then it is tonally at war with itself. Because it's guess, simultaneously yeah. trying to handle this guy's life and racism at the same time, and there's yeah. no connect. I think there's a connect. Nate, or a connection, Nate didn't see it as much, but... It is a good movie. I wanted it's, to think it was there because it was a George Clooney production, so you would like to think that it was going to be... And it's just like, even if you, you know, feel like, ah, yeah, there's some tonal issues and all of that, it is still an interesting film just because of what it does and the way it does it. And it has a good cast and it's very well done. That's a really good cast. Yeah. So are you guys Walking Phoenix fans? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yes. All right. Got that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not as big of a Walking Phoenix fan as you are. Yeah. I love Walking Phoenix. I think I mentioned it yesterday or whenever we went to, whenever we had dinner together, 
I was like, basically the main reason I'm going to see this movie is because Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Basically, since Gladiator was the first movie I saw him in, Signs was the first movie I saw him in where I was like, okay, I really like, mm-hmm. this guy's a really good actor. He's a really good actor. And then um, I watched The Village. Absolutely yeah. loved his role in that one too. Yeah. The first time I saw that movie, it was before it was like, I kind of knew who he was. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched it a second time. The movie's pretty good. But Walking Phoenix is really good. He's good in everything. Yeah, he's and then in. we watched that weird. Uh, you were never. You were really never really there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen her? Yes, I just watched it recently. I what did you think of it? One. What did it you think of it? It was so interesting. It was so weird. Like I never thought about like that kind of society, especially because he fell in love with somebody who's just a voice. Like essentially, yeah. basically a for those. Yeah. For and, those who don't know, he basically falls in with falls in love with AI. Like AI yeah. becomes standard for your phones or whatever and he basically falls in love with yeah i that. i know the concept of the movie i haven't seen it but we brought it it comes up a lot in um like i'm taking two like heavily philosophical classes this term and so we have definitely like we one for philosophy of the fantastic we spent a whole unit talking about like ai and what to do with that and that came up a lot was that and then that also kind of led into then my professor asking questions about whether or not we think that like AI should um, replace like real people in like the sex industry and like all of that, which was an interesting thing. And of, that's like, basically whether... what that movie does. Yeah, like, and whether or not we agreed with that or not. This, yeah, there's a really weird part in that movie with the prostitute. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how's this gonna, how's this gonna go down? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but and anyway, so yeah, we we did talk about it in class, even though I haven't seen it firsthand. So I don't know about his performance, that's but it is an of, interesting concept for a movie. Stellar again, and that's kind of what I really like about him is that he does weird movies. Mm-hmm. Like he did that one. He did. You were never really here. Or He's there, really or good at playing like quirky people, which yeah. makes me wonder if that's kind of how he is. In real life, I've never seen an interview with him or anything like that where he's just being himself. I've so never actually know. watched an interview of him anyway, so I yeah. don't have anything to base well, it off of. Well, that's what I mean. I've never seen anything other than him in movies, so I don't mm-hmm. know what he's like in real life. He had an interview recently with Jimmy Fallon, and he is kind of like, I don't want to say awkward in it. Just, Eccentric a little bit, maybe? No, he's really laid back, but also... I can't really, I can't really just quirky. He's quirky. Yeah. You know, he's just a quirky guy. That doesn't surprise me. Like you're saying, it really does. Based yeah. on the roles he takes and just the way he plays his characters, that it seems believable that he would be just a little quirky, not in a bad way, but just a little quirky in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't think you could not. I don't think you could be a super normal kind of blasé person and play roles, especially like the you know Joker role and things like that, as well as he does. Unless, Unless you're you... just a really good actor. Well, yeah, but I just, I'm not sure you would capture the nuances of it. I think, that's what I'm saying is I think you, maybe you have to be a little bit of a quirkier person because your brain just has to work a little differently for you to be able to capture those things in a way that's believable on camera. Otherwise, I think you end up with more of the like, almost like the the Ryan Reynolds type side of things where like, I like Ryan Reynolds. I think he's a good actor. He's fun to watch. But he's like a very normal person in real life. He's funny, but he doesn't. He's not weird. Like he's like, he's he's just a very funny person. And as person. a result, you don't and see as, him playing really. Weird yeah, and roles. as a result, when he tries to make his characters quirky, they end up being really funny. But they don't like it's it's a different kind of. Because Ryan Reynolds himself is really funny. Yeah, and but like, I don't know. I feel like, but he just is like a. But that's what I'm saying. That kind of 
supports the idea that Walking Phoenix is probably a little yeah. quirky because even when you're acting, you're still going to be yourself in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if you watch some actors, the way that they act across roles in movies, not necessarily the way, the role that they're playing, but just the way that they talk or something sometimes doesn't really change throughout the roles that they play. So you have to yeah. suspend disbelief a little bit more. But Well, that's kind of what happens with, like, Tom Cruise is one of those people that I feel like his performance in most movies... I mean, part of it is he does mo- a lot of the same kind of movies. For sure. But he's very much the same character in all of them, where they just give him a different name in a different setting, and then he just goes and is Tom Cruise. Yeah, he just goes and plays himself. And, yeah. <laughs> we and, talked about this with the Zombie on podcast. Yeah. That's how Bill Murray is. Yeah. There are, Bill, they're very, movies there that are, he's in are yeah. Bill Murray movies. Those, those are some of those actors that are very typecast. Or, or, or maybe not even typecast, but just that they know that if you cast this person, like you said, it is going to be a Bill Murray movie. It's not going to be a movie that Bill Murray is in. Yeah. Really. I guess you could say that about Zombieland. Zombieland is a movie that Bill Murray is in. Well, it's a cameo, but, though. But it's for the a... portion that he's in, it feels like a Bill Murray movie. It doesn't feel like the rest <laughs> yeah. of the movie either. So, again, like, he, like, whereas, like, Joaquin Phoenix doesn't have that quality. Of it, like feeling like this is a Joaquin Phoenix no, movie yeah, when right. he plays things, you're right. where you where it's like okay, we're getting the same character no matter what movie he's in, because that's what you were saying is that some people are very like they only know how to do one thing and they're good at it, but that's the only role that they can play. So Robert De Niro is in this film too, which I found out during the credits. Because Nate is oblivious. <laughs> well, to be fair. <laughs> Like, how could you not know that was Robert De Niro? To be fair. No, there is no to be fair about this. Well, I'm going to be fair to myself here. The only movie I've seen with him, to my knowledge, is Stardust. So, Which, that's a good one. That's a good that's one. That's a good one. That's a good one. And he's not even, he's only in like half of it. But I'm pretty sure that's the only movie I've seen him in. That being said, if you just showed me a random picture of some guy and it was him, I would be able to, like, oh, that's Robert De Niro. Like, and I know what he looks like, but for some reason, it's just like didn't you click. you haven't seen, like, Meet the Parents or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I started that, but I didn't like it. movie <laughs> that's one of those movies that my dad loves and where yeah. he'll just randomly be like let's watch meet the parents and then he laughs until he cries that and tommy boy yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another one what's the other one that he goes crazy over oh what about bob yeah what about yeah. bob is the other one mm-hmm. bill murray movie mm-hmm. yeah so he was in that and i don't know i think it's because i was so focused on walking phoenix that i just didn't really notice all the other actors yeah. the other actor <laughs> all the other, I, I don't know i can't believe you didn't realize it was him but whatever i guess especially if you haven't seen a ton of movies that he's in but it is weird that you think you could pick him out like if somebody just showed you a picture you'd be like oh it's robert de niro but then well, you I saw a bunch of screen time like. with him and you didn't <laughs> like i'm saying i was focused on walking phoenix so Alrighty. so karina since i'm not allowed to would you like to do a plot summary <laughs> yeah i'd love to nate um yeah, so don't patronize me wench <laughs> i was gonna call uh, you something worse than that but you're my sister and that's not well not that i would not that not that i would but. you're in a hole dude you are in a hole just put the shovel down <laughs> i know okay uh so this movie takes place in gotham city uh joaquin phoenix plays a guy named arthur fleck who is uh mentally unstable to some degree but you're not really sure what you know that he's been in arkham asylum at some point for a short period of time he sees a therapist regularly is on like seven medications and um 
just has a very, like, he's very poor. He has kind of an unstable life. Um, ends up getting fired from his job. Um, commits a few murders out of just frustration of being bullied and harassed his whole life. Um, because of a condition that he has, which is a real medical condition that I cannot remember what it's called, where you laugh as a reaction to things that you, and you can't control it. Like, it's not a humorous laughing. And... Uh, so that gets him into some trouble. He ends up killing some people over it. And then his life just kind of spirals down from there uh, as it gets worse and worse. But in the meantime, his act of killing those, uh, their three, like, young men who work on the Gotham City version of Wall Street, essentially, uh, he kills them. And that action sparks, uh, r- like, riots across the city, which eventually it all culminates with him... Uh, Spoilers. Kim, yeah, spoiler alert. It culminates with him killing his uh, favorite talk show host live on television, and he kind of becomes this god figure to the underclass or the lower class of this city who feels like Thomas Wayne uh, and the upper class just don't care about them, look down on them, abuse them. And uh, it's, it's kind of a, and it ends up being, you know, you realize that this is taking place uh, pre-Batman existing because Batman's parents get killed at the end of the movie as part of these riots that were set off <clears throat> by Arthur's Which, action. who else thought that he was going to kill uh, Tom, Thomas Wayne? Whatever his name I is. Thought, I thought it was going to be um, Joker, but then it turns out it was just one of the... The random guys. Which well, I like. The, that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. That was... But when he walks into the theater and he mm-hmm. like sees them and they leave mm-hmm. and he leaves, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here we go. And I was like, yeah. where are the pearls? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's actually so. one thing I liked about that scene a lot was how similar it was to the scene in The Dark Knight, where, mm-hmm. or Batman Begins, mm-hmm. where his parents are killed, like with the pearls and everything. It actually felt a lot like... Well, isn't that how it is in the comic books? Because I think every iteration of Batman has shown it kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty certain that in the comic books, like, she... Because isn't it a robbery originally for the pearls, and then they resist or something, and then they get shot? Or Or maybe, yeah, maybe that's just the movie. That's how it is, where it's basically, like, wallets and pearls, and then... He asks for something else, and the guy's like, okay, just calm down or whatever, and then he, like, gets trigger happy and Yeah, he gets jittery and shoots him. This one was and a much more an intentional murder. Yeah. yeah. But I thought it was interesting, and I know that it had to be that way, because then that um, brings forth Batman in his story. But how the guy just left the kid, you know, like, there's his dead parents right there, and leaves the kid who's just standing there. That's the interesting thing about that scene in general is why or just that not necessarily that scene but that predicament in general is why like could he just not bring himself to kill a kid or i always feel like it's probably that in this movie you can see how it would be that where the kid has not done anything wrong Mm -hmm. the people that are rioting see mr wayne and his wife as being tyrannical and the evil rich and so you can see why he would do that but the kid hasn't done anything so why murder a small child so yeah, and I and I really do think part of it is that I even really terrible people often have a problem with hurting kids. Like they won't hurt kids. I mean, unless they are somebody who's like a, you know a pedophile or something. Sometimes that's different. But like murderers and stuff, they're still like 
people that hurt kids when they go to jail, other very bad people hurt them. So <laughs> it, it is kind of one of those things. In and of that, itself, like, that might convince them. Yeah, like it. some people are just very like, you don't hurt a kid, even if they, you know, even if you think they're going to grow up to be a bad person, even mm-hmm. if you hate their family and everything, like in the situation where obviously this kid probably has a trust fund the size of like the, you know, the national treasury or whatever, like, you know, this, this kid, he, this guy would probably assume that this kid is going to grow up to be exactly like his dad. But there is something like for most people that is just you don't hurt a kid like that. So I would imagine that's what it is. But ultimately not super important because it is a comic book story. So like mm-hmm. I'm starting to notice a trend that maybe we shouldn't be doing comic book stories because or comic book movies because it always comes back to I don't know about the actual comics, but <laughs> <laughs> we never claim to be comic book expert or movie experts for that matter. But just <laughs> we're still going to do movies about it and talk about it by the way um the condition yeah pseudo pseudo bulbar effect psa pba pseudo bulbar effect is what it's called okay so which since we're talking about it i thought was a really really good inclusion for his character and this film because it's such a first of all something not something you would expect um and it's not at all like the joker that we've come to know and love from the dark knight trilogy uh in the sense that he like just randomly starts laughing and I didn't even know it was a real thing, first of all. Um, but it it does such a good job molding his character because at the mo- at the parts in the movie where that happens, like specifically on the subway before he kills the three guys, it's he's sitting there and he's laughing, and you're like kind of smiling because you're like, oh, he's laughing. But you're like he, you try to put yourself in his shoes, and you're like in his mind, you know, he's going trying to get himself to stop laughing, and like this is terrible for him, and he wants to stop this, but. At the same time, like, it's still happening. Well, and you see Joaquin Phoenix does a good job of with every time that he has those episodes where he knows that it's causing a problem. You can see it on his face that he would do anything to be able to stop. And he recognizes that it is not an appropriate time to be Mm -hmm. laughing and that he's offending people or he's making people uncomfortable. So I really like that, that you can tell that he is miserable. Yeah, Yeah. like, he's miserable. And and especially after the first, you know, time... uh, um, or the first time that you see it on the sub or not, not on the subway but on the train with the mom and the kid and like how you can tell that he's aware that this causes problems for him and so then when you get to like the subway scene with the wall street guys you can tell that he's like freaking out because he knows that they're not going to handle it as well as that lady did mm-hmm. so and then like when the very first time we hear him do that is when he's in his therapy session um and it's really confusing at first because you don't know why he's laughing and then he's crying and then he's laughing and um that was really confusing but then i don't know it's just really interesting that is because of a condition i thought the most interesting scene where it happens is the one where he's reading the file on his mom and he starts doing it but you can tell that he's like sobbing at the same time because mm-hmm. he's like wiping snot that off one's of his a lot face. more of a cry laugh for yeah sure. But you can just tell how miserable he is, but that mm-hmm. it is such a condition that there's no way he can circumvent mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And then I did find it interesting how, like, when he went to the comedy shows, how when other people were laughing and he would laugh, it is obviously, like, a very, like, it sounded like a very fake laugh. I mean, I'm sure that he was actually laughing thought it was funny, but it was just, like, overemphasized. I, okay, one thing I thought was really interesting about that scene is... 
and and I don't know if it's supposed to be this way or if this is just how I took that scene, but he's taking notes, right, on how to be good at stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he was late to every laugh. Like, he didn't understand that he was supposed to laugh at certain times. Mm-hmm. And that kind of seemed to play into, at least in my opinion, how he was so bad at stand-up comedy because he doesn't understand what's funny Definitely. to mm-hmm. people. He doesn't. Yeah. He, he, like, he, he's not on the same wavelength as other people yeah. as far as humor goes. Like, you, because I felt like he would, you know, it was showing him, he's like looking around as people start to laugh and be like, oh, this is oh, funny? Oh, I'm supposed to Okay, laugh. and then he would laugh. And then he would laugh and then he would make a note. funny. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which plays into like the last, the literally the last line of the movie. Which is where he's like, I'm thinking of a joke. She's like, what is it? And he's like, well, you wouldn't get it. That's kind of his character. Like, he does not see the mm-hmm. world the same way that other people see the world. Yeah. He thinks other things are funny that aren't funny, social, or whatever, that other people think are funny. And he just he just has a different view of the world. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. But then at other points, he's surprisingly level-headed and normal, uh, where he does seem to be on the same wavelength as other people. So he kind of fluctuates. Yeah, I mean, as far as being... Like, he's not completely socially inept. Mm-hmm. He's, he he's has, pretty close. He's close, <laughs> but he has he has moments in the movie where he is very, uh, I guess, lucid. Yeah, no, I mean, he, so he's, he's definitely aware of the world. it's not 100% all the time. He's aware of the world happening around him. He's He knows, he well, understands, like, generally accepted boundaries for things, and he's not... Yeah. It's not like he's not aware of all that yeah. stuff. Which I think just makes him even more interesting because we're so used to Ledger's Joker who's just a maniac and doesn't care. And you're not really sure if he's aware of social norms or not because he's so off his rocker. No, I think that's pretty... I think he most definitely is. You're just... He's just crazy and I guess refuses to care. And, yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't care. And then you have uh, Nicholson's Joker who is a lot more put together for at least at the beginning he loses his mind a little bit but he i mean he's playing the joker yeah yeah i mean obviously they all lose their mind at some point but i mean he is a little bit more like you know he starts out as like a businessman i mean not a businessman but he's a you know in quotes professional i mean he's like a mob member or whatever but he is somebody with like a job who's a functional successful person that isn't you know unlike this version who is somebody who's living in poverty and has a mental illness which is just a very different like you just don't really know like you kind of are never quite sure where he's at the whole movie and how you can't always tell like how much of his crazy is showing and how much of him is being rational and i like that about him because it makes him so much more interesting than the other ones Mm -hmm. where this are, it, you, are we still talking about Jack Nicholson's or Heath Ledger's? Oh, sorry, I was coming back to to now to Joaquin Phoenix. So I was comparing oh, it to like okay. the other two. Like Heath Ledger's is just a maniac all the time, and that's what I was saying. Like you don't really like he's probably aware of social norms and things, but he just refuses to care. And then you know that like Jack Nicholson's is a totally like he starts out as a very functional, level-headed person who's just in crime, and then he spirals downhill after he becomes the Joker, but he's still like you know that he like mentally pretty much all of his like like he's at kind of at full capacity but then i think this one is interesting because you're never quite sure where he's at with things mm-hmm. like he i mean i guess obviously he does have moments of like being very crazy but a lot of times you're like i don't know how like how much of this is you know is he having kind of a moment of you know his his mental illness is really surfacing 
Or is this just he's an awkward person and he's not actually being crazy well, right for now? For example, like the scene the scene where he kills the one guy that he used to work where his two co-workers uh, come over Randall, ex co-workers. Right? Yeah. He kills the one and then you're just certain he's gonna kill the other guy. But he's Especially actually because he locked the door. Yeah. That's so funny too. It's so he scary locks the latch though. Like... I expected that scene to go. I think I told this to Bart. I expected that scene to go so differently the first time I saw this movie mm-hmm. because you see him intentionally lock it, yeah. and then he kills the tall guy first yeah. and leaves the mm-hmm. midget. And then like, I thought oh, it was yeah, like you can leave a very sick, twisted like, yeah. oh no, you can't get out. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer. Oh, let me get the door for you. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I've only seen this once, but I missed whatever he says to him right before he leaves. You're the only one who was ever kind to me. And then he kisses him on the head and lets him go. There it is. Okay. Just a very opposite end of the crazy spectrum. But Mm -hmm. it goes to show you that it's like, okay, is he really crazy or is he... It's the same thing where he, in the same, within the span of a minute, he'll just brutally murder one person. And then just be like, hey, yeah, you can go, hey, yeah. you know. Yeah, hey, like gives him a kiss hey, and lets him Get out of here, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. he's very, obviously unstable. He almost, but... yeah, like, it's. So, what you're saying, though, is that you like this Joker more than, this is your favorite Joker depiction? <sighs> it's not, I don't think it's quite my favorite. I think I like Ledger's a little bit better. Um, But this one, I think, is the most intriguing to me. It definitely beats Jared Leto's. Well, well, let's not even go down that road. (laughs) Anything beats Jared Leto's. Um, You know what? You don't need any more of that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that this one made me, and I know I won't ever get it probably, but it made me want to see how they would write this Joker into a Batman movie. Because I would love, with the way that they did the rioting stuff at the end, which I loved, the last like 15 minutes of this movie are so good. Yes, they are. They are so good. Like I got chills both times I watched it. And it's weirdly, you end up kind of siding with the Joker. Okay, we're going to, we put a, Okay. Put a, put a pin big in ass pin in that because we don't want to miss it because we are coming <laughs> okay, back okay. to that. Okay. So anyway, my point is like after seeing the end of this movie twice now and just having the same reaction to it and loving it, I would, I would die for some kind of Batman movie with this version of the Joker because I'm really would be interested to see how they would write that mm-hmm. because hey maybe Ben Affleck will do it because be- <laughs> he's unlike the other ones he's I mean yeah he's obviously done some terrible atrocious things and he's a horrible person mm-hmm. but he's not somebody who's out to be a criminal which is usually what the Joker is so somebody who is just an you know an agent of chaos mm-hmm. who is just interested in either ruining Batman's life or making Gotham City as much of a hell as possible and this guy isn't like that but he obviously, un, you know, unintentionally did it. So it would be so interesting in a Batman movie. So, and so he's the most intriguing to me, even though I think I still like Ledger well, why do you slightly like better. Be- Ledger better more than because... Because I think Ledger is scarier. Because he's so unhinged. That, okay, that's and, part and, of the problem. And because he is, seen... Because he's, um, he's not... I mean, he's crazy, but he's not crazy in the same way. Like, he's very capable of like strategy and planning and being very yeah and being very meticulous and but he's also chaotic and just doesn't care what happens and he has zero self-preservation instincts and so i think ledger's joker is still a scarier villain at this point but like you're saying we also haven't seen this one in a batman movie so maybe he would maybe i I would like it we haven't seen walking phoenix be the joker yet yeah that's what this whole movie is it's this how he it's how the the city descends into his darkness Yeah. yeah Yeah, we yeah. haven't seen him be the Joker. So you know, if I saw him in a Batman movie, maybe he would become my favorite. He's very close right now. Like I definitely like him better than Nicholson's. Um, obviously, everybody is better than Ledger's, 
or not Leg- uh, Leto's. Leto's. Um, but yeah, without seeing him as actually like full fledged the mm-hmm. Joker, who is kind of running Gotham City, then it's it's hard to say whether or not he would actually be. But I think he has the most potential, just who, to be an interesting character. Who do you prefer, oh, Joker wise? Gosh, I well. I'd agree with Karina. Heath Ledger's Joker was absolutely terrifying. And, you know, he could literally just blow up a building at any moment. And But you totally expect it. Um, but with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, he's more... Like, you don't know what he's going to do. So you don't really know how that would play out. He's a wild card. <laughs> he's a wild card, for sure. But, I don't know, they're both... They're definitely my top two as well. I still think I like um, Heath Ledger's more, I think. <laughs> don't sound so convincing over there, Briar. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, his is really, really good. And he definitely, like, brought you into his, um, like, world. I don't know if that makes sense. But maybe it is because with Joaquin Phoenix, his is more of an origin story and so like you get to see more of the joker with Heath Ledger instead of just like this clown guy who turns into the joker and that's the thing we don't know how long the Heath Ledger's been at it or the joker's been at it in the Mm -hmm. dark knight trilogy he just comes on the scene in Mm -hmm. in arkham city but yeah or gotham city and they never tie that back to like whether or not he was an arkham patient or anything like he is in the comics and so you don't even know if he's been in Ark or in gotham the whole time maybe he's been elsewhere and he just decided he was going to come to gotham like you really don't know he's i'd be curious what his origin story is so oh first of all i totally agree well i guess with both of you i'll Walking Phoenix is, I mean, this is a great interpretation of the Joker. Really scary and convincing and emotionally just... Oh, it's emotionally oh, draining. It, it was so draining. Yeah. It gets you. But <laughs> I like Heath Ledger's too, mainly for the two reasons that kind of coincide, which is the fact that he does have no, absolutely no self-preservation. He w- literally would not care if he died. He tries like a to guy get, with a plan to you. He tries to get Batman <laughs> to kill him. He wants Batman. Yeah. More than anything else, he wants Batman to kill him. Like, he has no self-preservation, and because of that, he's so chaotic. He is he is a true wild card, because, he, because he's also a mastermind. Yeah. That is terrifying. Somebody yeah. with reckless abandon that's also very resourceful. And, and manipulative. Yeah. Super yeah. manipulative. And, like, everybody, like, you don't mess with him. Like, everyone knows you don't mess with him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, even the most terrifying crime bosses and, you know you know, hitmen for hire and all that stuff are like, nope, you don't mess with the Joker. You don't, you don't cross him. One you of don't the do, most. You don't even look at him wrong because he won't hesitate to kill you either. Like you don't mean anything to him. Nobody does. Nothing does. He's literally just there to create as much chaos as possible. Like that is his entire life the part goal. in the Dark Knight that is, creates that point most poignantly. I think I'm using that word right. Poignantly. Yeah. Whatever. What does it mean? Uh, it means that it's very uh, fitting. Good. So I said it right. The the part in that movie that does it that well would be the part where he burns all of the money. Yeah. In front of all the yeah. gang, like crime lords, and you're like, this guy just does not care. Yeah. You at realize all. that unlike what you expect out of you know somebody who normally is running crime rings and stuff, usually they're in it for money or drugs or something like that. He or or power or something, and he does wield a lot of power, but at the same time, yeah, he burns all the money, and you realize that he that's not his end game 
His his end game is just to wreak havoc and to whatever extent he can and you know like that's his live life to the fullest thing is just like how many how much misery can i cause so let me toss this question out in the wind to you guys here could you see this movie as in some ways being a prequel to the joker that we see in the dark knight trilogy no no not at all i don't know if they did they'd have to choose the batman very carefully well i don't mean i don't mean like what do you mean I mean, are there parts about this, the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix plays, that make you feel like he could also be the same Joker in... No. No. They're, they're too different. I feel like they're two different characters. I don't think he's clever enough. Yeah, he's kind of sloppy, isn't he? He, he is sloppy. Okay, he's, but he's what did sloppy. we talk about earlier? He's sloppy and a... he gets lucky. But I don't think Ledger... I, don't, I know, I know, but I'm saying I don't think Ledger's character ever got lucky. I think everything he did was, I mean, like we said, yeah, he has zero self-preservation because he doesn't care. But as far as the way he actually executes plans, He's they're not sloppy. Yeah, they're, they're meticulous mm-hmm. and they are like thought out to a T. Like he has, I mean, he's the kind of guy that you imagine he's got backup plans. Like he, or or I guess contingency plans for if, you know, oh, if this doesn't go the way that I have it in plan A, then I have this thing that splinters off and this happens over here kind of thing. He's very much one of those guys that you you can't outthink him versus this guy who is just really unstable and sloppy and everything he does is impulsive and ledger's is impulsive but it's he's not impulsive on like a big scale he's impulsive like in small moments like burning the money or something something Stuffing the pencil in the guy's eye. Yeah, he's impulsive with <laughs> things like... That's the best, the best in... three-second clip <laughs> yeah. of any movie is that scene Yeah, right there. he's impulsive in that way, but he's not impulsive in, like, uh, who he targets or the way he does things versus this guy who is not out to kill people. He does kill... He Obviously, he doesn't have any qualms about killing people, and he states that he thinks it was funny that he killed the Wall Street guys and he doesn't feel bad about it. But he also didn't, like... He hasn't specifically targeted anybody or made plans about it. And so I just don't think you could have them become the same person. I just don't think he has the 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 faculties mentally to be the ledger joker. I agree with you, but at the same time, I could see it happening. Now, obviously, let me preface this by saying we could not actually see it happen movie-wise. There's no way that they could do that and make it an actual prequel. Solely for the fact that he's way older than... Just the age of him and Batman just doesn't work at all anyways. If you were going to try to tie it into the Dark Knight trilogy. So obviously that's yeah, not something that would happen. Old. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be like 50s <laughs> or 60s. Rocker. So yeah. maybe the Jack Nicholson Batman. No. Um, <laughs> I could definitely see it happening. Not it happening, but I could see ways that it could be tied to him. I mean, first of all, like we said earlier, this is a this is an intro this is him becoming the Joker. He's new to the game of killing people and being evil. So is it so hard to believe that five, ten years down the road, he could be as brilliant and cunning as Heath Ledger is? I still feel like he just isn't... He's on, like, a different kind of crazy scale. Yeah. Are like... there a lot of crazy scales? <laughs> well, well, like, there's, there's different types of crazy, you know? Like, going back to... He's Ledger. Like, his is a very meticulous, he's strategic, you know, he he's 
strategizes everything. He's the method to his madness kind of guy. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, he just does it at random. Like, I don't know if, if, if that makes sense. Well, also, like, you don't, I don't think you get the sense ever that uh, Ledger's Joker is supposed to be, like, like, have a mental illness kind of, it's not a mental illness kind of crazy. Well, he's a sociopath. He's a sociopath. Which is kind of a mental illness. Yeah, but it's a different kind of mental illness. Versus, like, this one you find out is caused by head trauma. Like, this is somebody yeah, this who like, got like head trauma as a kid. It's like a disability. Which is another thing. So that's one of the good parts. One of the things I really like about Heath Ledger's Joker is that, no, we don't know anything about his origins. But multiple times, at least three times throughout the Dark Knight, he tells somebody his origin. But it's different every time. Like, he has a different, like, for, for like for his scars and stuff. He's like, you yeah. don't know, I got these scars. Like, that's... It's always a different different story to go with that. But at least one of them is about his dad abusing or, and at least killing his mom. his mom and then hurting him, which is totally the same thing that he talks about with his, that we find out about his parents in Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. movie, is that his dad abused his mom and also well, hurt him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, you can say that there's a connection there that it ties together, but I still think there's a very, like, just the way that it plays out, like, his is a believable, like, it seems like a disability. Heath Ledger's does not. His is very sociopathic. It's it's very, I don't know, like, there's not even really a good way to describe it. They just have very different feels to them. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't even think you can ever get Joaquin Phoenix is to the same level as Heath Ledger's just because Heath Ledger's is he's almost charismatic he has a commanding presence like he walks into a room and everybody is looking at him he's one of those people that has that ability he just kind of has that show-stopping personality and yes some of it is probably an act because he's a super villain but that is like the personality that he puts forth Joaquin Phoenix's is awkward and doesn't, like, do well. And he does a little bit at the end on the TV show, but it's still very, like, it's an uncomfortable, like, this is not somebody that has that ability to make people stop and look at him without doing something like shooting somebody in the head first. Whereas Heath Ledger's doesn't actually have to do anything violent or crazy for people to notice him. Like, he just, he could start talking and people pay attention to him. So I think that That's they just don't, they just wouldn't have the ability to ever really mesh into this. Now, you could maybe find some middle ground and create a character that's kind of in the middle. But I also think, too, that uh, obviously Ledger is, he his version is somebody who has dedicated, dedicated their life to causing chaos. And okay, I don't think Okay, but Joaquin at the end of this Phoenix movie, is, you can see why he might, like end up going down that kind you of path. You can see it, sort of, but I also think that there is a part of him who really, he just wants, you know, you see, you like, in the, when he's talking to Thomas Wayne in the bathroom, he's like, I don't want money. I don't want anything from you. I want to be noticed. I want to be acknowledged as somebody, you know, I want to be acknowledged as your son. I want to have somebody care about me. That's all he really wants in life, is he wants to, you know, he complains to his therapist, I wasn't sure forever if I even existed. Um, this is, he's somebody who's very lonely, who I think just would like to live a life where he isn't miserable. You know, he says he's never been happy a single day, minute of his life. I think he's, he doesn't have that kind of... And then of, brutally murders his mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm saying he doesn't have that, like, uh, 
he doesn't at least i don't think by the end of this movie you don't see him at a point where he has like goals to he's not aspirational as far as crime is concerned i don't think he's looking to be a crime lord or to run the city or the city's underground you know crime rings or something he doesn't seem like he has that kind of now it does seem like the city would be willing to follow him if he wanted to which i think is an interesting thing which is why i would like to see how he would play out because he seems like that would be an interesting way to write that we never will I know we won't. I know we won't. But I'm saying that I think that that would be interesting, but I don't think you would see him with the same kind of, uh, he would never have the same kind of sway as Ledger's does. He would never have the same kind of goals or just abilities. I guess not. I just thought it was something I'd throw out there because it's something that crossed my mind watching the movie. Like Mm -hmm. I could see in some ways how this could play into Ledger's I do wonder how it would play out though, especially... Because at the end of the movie, he was definitely noticed. And like Karina said, that's all he wanted in his life. So I wonder if that would, like, What's if the or next how step that after would, the yeah, like how that scene. would change him. Well, I would like to see how he got out of Arkham. Because he ends up back in Arkham at the very yeah. end. But then he kills the person, I think. I think the that's implication, yeah, because he walks out of there with yeah. blood on his shoes. Mm-hmm. That he killed them, and then he's running from the guy up down the hall. So that was I couldn't. Okay, so he runs like one direction, and then somebody chases him. And then he gets back chased, the other and then he runs back. But it looks like the person that follows him back is like him. No, I, it's I a different know, person. Weird. Okay, well, let's talk about. You said you wanted to put a pin in that stuff, talking about the ending, and come oh, back to that. So that's what I was gonna. Is there anything there. else? I don't have anything else to say about like the connection to the other movies. No, just in general, if there are other things. No, I think that's a good place to go next. I okay. think that's a major thing that needs so to be So what I want to talk about is, well, I'll have to start off by saying what I want to talk about is today. Are you aware of the controversy, I'm assuming? A little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, I haven't read many. I know that it has okay. gotten a some lot of weird people, people don't like because I feel like people, it promotes some violence and yes, stuff. Yes, a lot of people are saying they don't like this movie because it promotes irrational behaviors such as killing people. And doing the terrible things that he does in this movie. And it, a lot of people are saying that this movie is glorifying those actions. Which I disagree with. But I can see their point. Because, but kind of from a different, kind of from a different view. I can see their point and because I feel inspired. Like you were saying, that's why I said put a pin in it. Because you're saying at the end of the movie, you feel really inspired by him standing up and his character. And... That was exactly how I felt at the end of the movie. And I started to realize, you know, I could see how this could be dangerous because he is the main character of the movie. And usually what a movie tries to do with its main character is it tries to make you like that character, however it is. And this, it's kind of a sympathy sort of connection to the main character. But kind of the goal for most movies I've seen is by the end of the movie, you really feel like you're relating to that character and you want to be that character in some ways. And I can really see how that might happen with him, especially with people that struggle with similar things that he struggles with in the film, really feeling like they identify with his character. I don't know if I felt the same way maybe as you did at the end. Okay, well, tell me. Well, okay, so I don't know that I liked his character any better. I think it was a weird sense of you feel not so much that he was any more in the right or that he was any more likable, but that there was a sense of uh, almost like a justice because of the way that they portray like Thomas Wayne and uh, Murray and those people that are the the upper echelons of society and how they clearly don't care about the people who are the like the lower classes. 
I think it almost was just more of like, like almost more that I was caught up in like the mob mentality of like, this is justice. Not that I liked Joker's character or, or not. I mean, I still like him as a film character and I'm still intrigued by it and how that would work out if he, you know, if they were to keep going with his character in like a Batman story. But I don't think it made me feel like, oh, wow, I can relate to him or connect with him in any way or that it made him any more um I know right you can't, in my eyes. No, 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 no. I, but I mean, like, it didn't make him any more right in my eyes, but it just made me feel like, you know, the rioting and the fact that this was all, you know, just brought on by him happening to kind of encapsulate the the mentality of the the impoverished people and kind of ending up at, inadvertently being their mouthpiece was interesting and I just felt more like I was caught up in like the mob mentality side of it of like yeah Gotham is getting what it deserves than so much feeling like oh yeah I could see how he would become a relatable character to other people but do you think it could be possibly dangerous in the sense that there are other people who may be watching this movie and like I said going through very similar things dealing with society in the same way that he has to deal with society and feeling like the things that he does are justified because of how he's been treated and that may be being a problem for people who relate with him in that way. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying, like, because a lot of people are like, it needs to be pulled from theaters and all this stuff. Like, I don't, I totally don't agree with that. I mean, every movie, every movie is, I mean, there are worse movies than this, for sure. Yeah. I think the reason that this one is getting so much popularity is because it's such a, pop, it's such a, it's such a big budget film. So, you know, it's not something that's really going to fly under the radar. I mean, it's already put on almost a billion dollars, so. I guess my feelings at the end of this movie was just that I had, like, a weird surge of emotion where I... No, I totally get you. So apart from, like, the our world and how we view this movie as a movie, like, I totally get you. Like, I, the last 15 minutes of this movie are basically from the time he goes on for the interview mm-hmm. up until the end of the movie where he's, like, standing on the car. Yeah. That whole thing is just... You're it, riveted. I don't think I blinked for that whole section. Like you are in, you are in Gotham which, when that's happening. Which is so weird because up until that point in the movie, like I was enjoying it and it was fine and it was a good movie, but suddenly it just becomes so, like you said, it's riveting and suddenly you're, I don't know. It's it's the payoff. It wouldn't have the effect that it does if all the other things in the movie hadn't been as hadn't been building to it in the way that they were. Like, other parts in the movie were definitely not as riveting, but they were all building up so that this moment is as intense as it is. I guess it's just weird because it's not a movie where you come in expecting to be emotionally connected to it at all, mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, you know from the get-go that it's, a, I mean, from right away they're showing you this guy is unstable, he's crazy, he's a bad person who does irrational things and doesn't feel bad about them. And he's awkward and uncomfortable and he's not really a likable person at any point in the movie. So that's why I think it's so weird is that suddenly by the end where he's standing on the car, I'm like, yes. (laughs) And then I'm like, wait a second, what is going on? I should not be this invested in this part of the movie. It was kind of (laughs) weird. I felt so, you know, leading up to when he goes on to the show, I felt so bad for him. Like, I was like, oh, man, poor Joker. I can tell why he does this. And, like, you know, he just wants somebody to love him. And, like, why are these people being jerks? Of course he's going to kill you. That's self-defense. But then, like, once it gets to that part, like, the riots, it's like, oh, dang. You know? (laughs) Like, it's just a completely different emotion. 
compared to like yeah. how I was feeling before. It's all it's almost inspiring in a way because kind of. of kind of because of kind of the mob thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess because they do kind of play to that, like it almost has that underdog story, like this is his comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it is very weird. I it was, it's still it was just a very weird surge of emotion just for a couple of minutes where like, like I said, it caught a little caught up in like the mob mentality and a little bit like caught up in just feeling like this is weirdly inspiring and i don't know it was just a very complex like but it happened both times i watched it and i don't know what to do with that (laughs) (laughs) well don't do anything extreme yeah (laughs) um actually the interview part is really interesting because the build-up to it you're assuming that he's going to go on the show because he's so he's he's practicing in his own home with the curtains and everything and he's like trying to act like other people have acted on the show to make sure he doesn't Mm -hmm. make a fool of himself and so it's building up and you think he's probably going to make a fool of himself until you start to realize that, oh, the interview is going to be, like, the, the pinnacle of the movie, like, or the, what's the film term? The climax? Climax of the movie is going to be that scene. Up until that, you're like, oh, he's probably going to make a fool of himself and all this stuff. And then when he comes on, he has such a, like, he's like, he's so confident all of a sudden when he comes on. Because, I don't know. It's, it when he comes on, you expect him to be really awkward, like he is throughout the rest of the movie but he's so almost charismatic in that part and he like kisses the old lady and everything like he's very confident and stuff which Mm -hmm. you don't expect really based on the rest of the movie yeah do you think he realized like what he wanted right when he come came out on stage i think well i'm not sure because i didn't realize what he wanted either because Seemed like he was going to commit suicide. Yeah, and even in his Especially dressing like room his... right before, he was still practicing. So I think actually yeah. maybe you're on to something like he was going to commit suicide, and then mm-hmm. he realized, oh, I can make a bigger statement mm-hmm. by killing this guy instead of killing yeah. himself. Which you get, I love the line that he tells, like, you want to hear, I think it's time for another joke. No, we've heard enough. What do you get? Or I'm trying to see if I can get it right. What do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abuses him and treats him like garbage? You get what you fucking deserve. How do you have that memorized? You've because seen it I went and saw it with Bradley and Mitch, and then they quoted that line so many times. <laughs> Makes sense. I love that part because building up to that, it's so chaotic. Like other, like murray franklin is kind of like shouting some things and like, like the people mm-hmm. in the and he just shouts kind of over him because they're like we need to get this guy like people are starting to be like okay we need to get him off because he's already confessed to the murders and everything so it's starting to become more and more chaotic and he just like shouts that and shoots him mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's powerful yeah also what i liked about that is also that... Ma- uh madly <laughs> i can't get their names right uh i can't remember who it was mitch or bradley one of them wrote it on the board not the they didn't put the f word in there but they wrote it on the board in bruce's <laughs> class flipping paper. <laughs> no they just wrote you get what you deserve and they wrote it on the board <laughs> and it turned into like bruce being like is this about bradley <laughs> like no it's a quote from the movie <laughs> Oh, God. No, what I was going to say is what I really like also about the end after it. So he shoots the guy and then he's what I really love about his character in this part is how like like he's he's just done that. And now he's not really sure what to do because he kills him. And then he's sitting there and he's just like bouncing his knees. and He's just kind of looking around like I just did that. I just did that. And he's like just sitting there and then he gets up again after people have kind of freaked out and left. And he just kind of picks it up and he's like not really sure what to do. And he just kind of shoots him again. And then he just kind of drops it and like runs off like he's no he so... runs up to the camera and grabs well, it not at first doesn't he it? first he shoots him a second time and then he kind of looks like he's gonna do it again and he's kind of he just kind of like sets it down and then runs off oh no he, he dances first he dances first that's what he does is he stands up on stage and he does his little like heel clicking dance and then he walks up to the camera i think and grabs it and does the mess and i wish i could i wish that they would play what he played 
or what he said there because to me that was the most ledger moment of the movie yeah well because ledger Mm -hmm. does that well i know but to me it was interesting and i that's why i wanted to hear it was because it it had that very ledger feel of that super confident very charismatic like i don't care what you think and this is a presentation that That is that's the one moment where he has that but i think afterward like then when he's on the car later he didn't really have it as much it was kind of gone it was just really that one moment i don't know if it's just because he had an adrenaline rush because he just killed someone on live tv or like i'm saying it's a prequel yeah builds up to i I mean maybe potentially he could but only if things like that continue to happen if that makes sense Right, which we don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. And, but I, I, it I is interesting, though, that you see that this guy who is really, I mean, he is nobody and he's definitely an awkward person who isn't good at social interactions or being, he's definitely not a leader in any way. Um, he's just kind of a pushover, you know, his that whole life. That becomes a symbol. Who, well, not just becomes a symbol, but it's so interesting that you see that not only does he become a symbol, but these people are all willing to follow him. Like, he's not just a symbol, he's become a leader on accident. And I think that, to me, is what would be interesting about seeing how he would play out. Like, if they if they picked up where this left off, and they were somehow, you know, able to fix the age gap with Batman and everything, so he's not, like, a Time grandpa. Um, to see how that... <laughs> that's how they solve everything. Yeah. I just started watching Endgame. Oh, that's a time travel movie. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would be interesting because... Then you'd have him being, you know, he's the ultimate Gotham City villain, but he would be this person that has no experience leading, no experience in crime outside of the couple of murders he committed, but not like organized crime on the scale of like what Joker does to antagonize Batman. Um, So it would be really interesting to see like what that would look like if people were coming to him looking for leadership like they are there, like they're all ready to follow him. They're ready. I mean, if he, you know, you get this, you very much get the sense in that moment that if he had been like, here's what we're going to do next. Here's who we're going after. They all would have rallied to his, you know, to his cry and they would have gone there, done that, whatever it was he had said. So if you have people coming to him saying, you know, seeing him as the symbol, as the voice of these, of, of the oppressed and all of that, how would he handle that? And would, would all of his crimes and his uh, the things that he does that make him a villain, would they all continue to be sort of like accidental or unplanned? Or would he eventually turn into somebody who had more of like that mastermind? Like, okay, I have to sit down and think and plan my crimes. And how am I going to do this? And what's going to be the most effective or make the biggest statement? Because up until this point, you kind of feel like he stumbles into everything. Because like we said... Up until he goes on stage, I think he's planning to commit suicide. And then he goes out there and does something different. And so obviously it's a spur-of-the-moment decision because he's been practicing how he's mm-hmm. going to kill himself. And then he changes his mind and, it, you know, kind of a split-second decision and decides to kill somebody else. So would he continue to be that person who never really had a plan? Or would he morph into somebody who actually became a strong leader and had plans? I don't know. I think that would make him interesting, though, to see what that would look like. So before we go too long, are there any things that you guys – didn't like about this movie because usually that's what we accidentally get into right away but we haven't really talked about any bad things about this movie at all Hmm. it's it definitely like when i was watching it i was really intrigued but also like maybe uncomfortable it was just because of his performance because of his like he did he did a good job like i'm not saying he didn't but just his character it's just like so because he did a good job because he did a good job performing it just made me feel really like oh my gosh like what is gonna happen because it's like 
these this is really socially awkward and so it just made me feel uncomfortable yeah. for everyone <laughs> and for the people on screen even though you know it's which is a good and a bad thing because that's kind of what it's trying to make you do mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. so it does kind of make you uncomfortable even as a viewer I think, though, I was uncomfortable the first time I watched it. The second time, you're not because you understand what it's all building up to, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. less uncomfortable. But I agree. The first time I watched it, I was like, you're like, oh, this is a little like... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this movie again. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I would say that if I had only seen this movie one time, I think I would complain that it's kind of slow at the beginning. It didn't really get my attention until partway well, in. Well, it's a Joaquin Phoenix movie. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But I'm just saying that I... If that bothers you, don't watch her... Don't watch Signs. Don't know, watch know, You Were Never I know, Really I know, There. I know. Why are you watching that? That one was way slower. Yeah, that was too um, slow. That one was too slow. I just, uh, not that, not just because it was slow, but just um, originally, just initially, the, the character didn't interest me a whole lot at the beginning. Uh, the first time I watched it, it was kind of like, eh, he seems kind of boring. I'm not sure I'm really into this character. I don't know how good this movie's going to be. Just another pseudotubular yeah it like it was it was it was very like that was how it was the first time i watched it where if i had if i was giving that a review then Mm -hmm. i would have said well i think they could have written the beginning of this movie differently but having watched it a second time i did not feel that way at all the second time so i definitely think it's a movie that warrants two views because the second time you watch it you watch it so much differently knowing what mm-hmm. how, where it's all going to culminate i feel like you can understand it better the second time watching I, yeah it i feel like i had just had a much better appreciation for all of it mm-hmm. and i wasn't because i i i mean i hate to say this but i was a little bored for probably the first 15 20 minutes of the movie the first time i saw it where i was just kind of like i'm not really into this i can't believe i paid to see this i should have waited <laughs> blah, blah, when blah. did it ratchet up um i think when it really got my attention was i think i think the moment that i really i mean like it it i think from it was kind of building slowly where it was getting my attention more and more i think it really got my attention when i realized that he'd been hallucinating that that girl was oh with my him gosh, the whole time and that was so creepy that that's he just when, was in her apartment so an hour and 25 minutes into the movie that's no no, when, no, 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 no i'm like, saying oh, it's all right <laughs> no, no no well yeah up until that point up until that point okay so i'm saying like the first maybe 15 20 minutes i was kind of like I don't really like this movie. This is really boring and I kind of wish I hadn't come. And then at some point after that, like probably 20 minute mark or in there, it, it, that's what I'm saying is it was a very slow build where I was like, okay, I'm a little more interested. I'm a little more interested. And then suddenly when I realized that he was just as crazy as you, they make his mom sound, that it was like, oh, okay, his character's got a lot more interesting because now I have no idea how much of like what he sees and does is actually real. Mm-hmm. kind of thing it, it adds an interesting element to his character all of a sudden where you realize that he's a lot creepier too than you thought he was because he's been following this woman around and like fantasizing about her and they've led you to believe that she's actually a part of his life and they don't give you any indication that it would be otherwise until that moment and he's like creepily sitting in her apartment mm-hmm. and she's like i don't know you and, and she's like please sir i have a kid yeah and so i that was the moment when it really hooked me and i was like oh he's creepy like yeah. really creepy not just like huh you're socially awkward and you make me uncomfortable but like ugh, you scare me a little bit now mm-hmm. um that's kind of i wonder if we should figure that out sooner because she's so not the way that he imagines her but the way that the movie shows her acting around him is so not as creeped out as she should be considering the fact that he was stalking her all day and she's just like are you stalking me uh, so you're you know, so funny yeah like oh cute you know whatever yeah. like 
I think I feel like we should have maybe picked up on it sooner, but maybe but I didn't. Well, so. I they, kind of they don't give like, you a reason a, to. Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting response, but yeah. I didn't. You know, at the same time, I was like, "Oh, she's hanging out with him again. Like, why?" <laughs> yeah, but you're kind of like, "Well, that's it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. happy. Like, that's, that's really cool nice. Yeah, she's she's trying to yeah. you know be his friend. That's cool. Yeah, and you and you start. I think it kind of up until that point, you realize that you're like, oh, well, he does have like this one little bright spot in his life of this girl who likes him, who's nice to him, who sees him as a real person, who values him. Like, it's kind of this nice thing that you're like, okay, well, at least he has somebody. Like, he's not completely alone. <laughs> and then you realize, it's and then you realize that he is completely alone. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, although I do think the other th- interesting thing kind of in connection to the hallucination thing is that you never actually know for sure whether or not his mom was crazy. Because you think, you think, you know, sh- he reads the letter and so then you're under the impression that Thomas Wayne is his dad. And then he goes and confronts Alfred and then later uh, Wayne himself. And you get the same story that, no, she was psychotic. She hallucinated. There was never anything there. You're an adopted child. He gets the file. Still, that confirms that it's adopted. Although then she's talking about, well, you know, Thomas, you know, he he knew that we couldn't be seen together. This could never come out. And you kind of get that because you understand that Thomas Wayne clearly has a very low opinion of poor people. And he would never let this be connected to him so you're like okay so maybe there's some truth to what she's saying but it's still probably that she's just crazy and she's making this up and then you see the picture though that he's got where it says love your smile or something tw on the back when he's at the end when he's getting ready and like dyeing his hair green or whatever and you're like so was his mom not crazy and he is really thomas's Yeah, yeah or like was well, and that's what I'm saying is like, so then it's like, did his mom write that on the back of the picture because she's delusional? Mm-hmm. Or was it actually written by Thomas Wayne and maybe his mom is crazy, but not as crazy as you Everyone think she was. And maybe he is Thomas Wayne's son, which would just be another very interesting element to a Joker character because that's so far removed from what they normally mm-hmm. do with the Joker. So I thought that was interesting is that you kind of end on a note of not actually being sure whether or not she was crazy because you think she is up until that point. And then you realize that, well, maybe there actually is an element of truth to what she's saying. He might actually be Thomas Wayne's son, so who knows? The only qualm that I had with this movie, the only real problem I had with it was actually at the end in the interview scene where he's... There's something I really don't like in movies, which is where they have a they have a point, and that's good. They have a, a theme or some sort of point that they're trying to get across, and I like that. What I hate is when at the end of the movie one of the characters literally just like spills that all out. Like as if you just watched the movie and you couldn't figure it out for yourself. Now they're just going to tell you exactly what it is that you were supposed to figure out watching the the movie. Like they're stupid. Yeah. That's kind of what he actually does. He kind of in his, where he starts to go on a monologue during the interview, he kind of starts to talk about that, like about how the, the city has treated him so bad and like people just stepped over him and all that stuff which he kind of has to talk about that a little bit because that's a character's point that the character's trying to get across to the audience. But it also felt like he was doing it for the people watching the movie because it goes on for too long and he's like almost saying it too clearly. Like, Yeah, that's that treated. was my one issue with that. Probably, I guess, my only real issue with the movie because I really like the movie um, is the fact that that is almost stated too eloquently for him. You get up to that point that he's not a real uh, eloquent or concise speaker. And but we do see that he gets a surge of confidence coming into. He does that, get a so. surge of confidence, but it still feels a little out of character. What I don't like, what I don't like about it is how it's the seen... movie's treating me. Well, That's yeah, what yeah, I don't like. yeah. I mean, I agree with that too. But I'm saying on top of that, not only does it feel like the movie is treating you like you 
you know, just in case you missed it, here's the message. Uh, it does also feel out of character for him, though, because up until that point, yes, he got a surge of confidence, but he's just not that eloquent. Yeah, I can see that. And he's not that put together. And this feels like a rehearsed speech. And obviously, you know that at this point, this is not what he came out there to do because he already told, like, the joke that he was going to kill himself on and he hasn't killed himself. So you know he's already changed his plan. And so at this point, you, you like, you're aware that this is not something he prepared to do. And so it just it doesn't match with the rest of his character, even if he was feeling overconfident and it was helping him out a little bit with stage fright or whatnot. It just, yeah. So any final thoughts before we go to our, oh, by the way, we rate movies at the end. Oh, just so you know. Okay. So keep that Your in turn. mind while we're doing okay. the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that we're coming to. Yeah, exactly. Close. One to ten scale. So just think about okay. it. Okay. Any final thoughts before we actually go into that? Um, I want to know how they got all those masks so fast. True. And that they're all exactly the same. And that they're all the same. How did they manufacture this so fast? He is fast. a mastermind. He has this coming, okay? <laughs> how did he get them manufactured? Um, China. <laughs> and then, like, the uh, relationship he had with his mom was a little creepy. It's a little Not bit edited. A little Freudian. Yeah. 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 But um, it's also the same that it kind of is in... It reminded me of you were never really there because that's actually almost exactly the same relationship he has he has with his mother in that movie. That so it wasn't true. as weird to me. In that it's way. a little less weird because he's not a psycho. In you were never really yeah. there. He's not like a mentally I mean, unstable person in the same way that he not is. Not in the here. same way, but he is. He may be a little bit, but it's not the same. The part way. I always remember is where he's sitting in front of the doorway with the knife and he's just dropping it and pulling his foot out the last second and then just like doing that over and over again. That's like, he's a little on edge. Well, yeah, I'm saying he is a little bit, but he's not like, I wouldn't say he, like, like we, like Ryder said, this is like a disability kind of mental illness. He doesn't have that in that movie. So like, I think it's a little, yeah. it's, it's definitely less creepy in You Were Never Really There or yeah. Here. I think it's You Were Never Really Here. I can't yeah, remember. no, I think Here sounds right. Um, but maybe not. Here know. or there. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Um, so. And then do you guys think that, um, like, why do you think he danced all the time? I think it's a coping mechanism. That's what I was thinking. You see him go do it after a... he kills the guys. Yeah, I thought it was a coping me- mechanism You're a really well. good dancer. Thanks. <laughs> I know, that <laughs> was kind of like, the wall. that was <laughs> I mean, let's take a poll right now. Is or is Joaquin Phoenix not a good dancer in this movie? It's good Dude. on the staircase, but it's not good in his living the room. The staircase is really good. The, in his living room, is kind of like, oh, okay. Okay, the living room's a little weird, but, like, I kind of like his... The staircase the gun, was really like, cool. But all of his dancing, dancing, like, he all he dances kind of the same way every time. And it's yeah, like, kind he of, does, like, this... Or he, like, does, like, weird, like, hunched back stuff. And, like, where shoulder, yeah, like, it's... Yeah. I think it's a coping mechanism. I think it is, too. You see, it's kind of like, I think it helps him unwind. Mm-hmm. You see him, he does it... What is it? I think the first place we see it is... Uh, uh, in the living Might room be with, the gun. with the gun. That's the first place we see it. I don't and know. Then, it happens a lot. So but then he goes and does it right after he kills the guys. Like he runs to a safe spot and then he just dances. And it's actually very elegant there. And it, in the bathroom. Yeah, it, yeah. it's almost like ballet. Like you know, he has mm-hmm. graceful hands and it's 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 slow and like almost grandiose in a mm-hmm. way. Um, and then he does it on the stairs as kind of gonna like getting his nerves out kind Which of thing on the way epic. there. And then the police officers or the. FBI agents, the FBI whatever agents are, yeah. were like right there, and they're like, "Hey!" And yeah. then I was like, "Oh crap!" The music just changes. Yeah, <laughs> and then he and then he does it after he kills Murray on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then he did it right before he went on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the other one I was thinking of. Is like mm-hmm. it kind of that really made me think too that mm-hmm. it's kind of a it's nerves like, thing of mm-hmm. like, 
I see it the other way around. It's almost actually. cathartic, I think, for him. Like, I it's kinda, a way of purging emotion. I kind of see it like he dances. That's why his way of expressing, like, happiness. Like, after he kills the guys, like, he's he's happy. Like, oh, I just did that. I'm happy, you know? I think when he dances before he kills Murray, it's because he's just realized that he's going to kill Murray instead of him. Murray. Yeah, yeah Murray. Murray. He's just realized that he's going to kill Murray instead of himself. And then he dances afterwards because he's killed Murray. Like, I can Maybe. see it that way where it's his way of expressing, like, Might be a little happiness. bit of both. Yeah. I think I think either way, whether it's whether it's a coping mechanism to deal with nerves or if it's, if it's like, a happy dance, I think it's cathartic either way. It's a way of him processing emotions. Mm-hmm. Whether they're good emotions or bad emotions is kind of up for grabs. But I think it is definitely an emotional, like, processing thing for him because he doesn't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. He's not – he can't express it verbally. And he doesn't – well, he does occasionally. He takes out his anger sometimes, like aggressively, like By he punches with the his t- head. yeah, like with his head, or he punches mm-hmm. the time uh, clock thing in the office. He has some good jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to punch out. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think either way, it's a way of him processing emotions so that he can move forward to whatever he needs to do next. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, Crayna, so, on your end all be all scale of movies i think i would give this movie like a nine maybe even a 10 because really the only issues i have with it are kind of nitpicky like little things um like i said if i had watched if this was after the first time i had watched the movie i'd probably give it a little bit lower score but after you were bored for 85 percent of it <laughs> i wasn't bored for 85 percent of it um i was bored for like 10% of it. I think where it got me was when he shot the, I don't know, they look like they're in boarding school, but the college students, that's when it got my attention. Like, for you, it was... See, that one didn't get my my attention quite as much because it was kind of like you said, that self-defense thing where it's like, okay, they were beating him up and mm-hmm. he had a gun on him for self-defense. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, yes, it's brutal. Well, but even in that scene, it turns into more than that. Well, yes, it's brutal and it obviously turns into more than that where he, like, hunts the guy down. But it still doesn't quite have that hook. Like, mm-hmm. at least for me, mm-hmm. it didn't have that hook yet of, like... I don't know. There's some. I think it was more of just the creepy factor that got me when you realized that he's been hallucinating, and that was what really yeah. hooked me the first time. But then, like I said, the second time I was in it, like start to finish, I was enjoying the whole thing. So, all that to say, I don't really have any like major issues with the movie. I don't have any real beef with it. I think that it's super well done. It's by far the most intriguing version of the Joker. Um, and again, like I said, I would l- I wish there was a way to have this Joker in a Batman movie, which I know will never happen, and that's okay. It's probably for the best anyway, but just it leaves you with so much to think about, and I just really liked it, and I would definitely recommend it to people. So I would give it probably like a 9.5. would probably be, I think, what I would settle on. Probably a 9.5. I'm the same way. It's right up at a 9 for me, mainly because, to say to state it in a general way, because this movie, I had really high expectations for it, just from watching the trailers and loving Walking Phoenix more than most things. You expect the movie to be really, really good, and the movie is not only really good, but it's better than what you expect it to be. It's so, oh, There's so much more that goes into this movie than you thought yes. there was going to be, and it's really incredible, and there are really virtually no problems with this movie. Yeah, like you said, the, really the only issue is just that one like point where... You feel in the interview like they're just like, by the way, guys, here's the message of the movie. Yeah. Okay. But that's, I mean, if that's the only issue with the movie, that's a pretty good movie. 
<laughs> it's a really, <laughs> I'd say it's more than a pretty good movie. It's, it's a 10 out of 10 for me, actually, okay. because okay. they're really, I am struggling to think of anything that's actually wrong with this movie, aside from the part where I kind of complained about telegraphing the end, which we could do without that. But even then, it still served a purpose because it's not just him. It's not just the movie telling us. It's, it's him. explaining him to the audience yeah. of the show that he's on. And yeah. Everybody watching on TV. Yeah, it's him telling him. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can kind of turn or I can kind of see it in that way. And it's a 10 out of 10. It's a perfect movie. Yeah. It is. It is, I guess, as far as the way it is sometimes done in movies, that is the most fitting way to do it sure. because he's in a place where you would expect somebody to lecture somebody like that. To it's not like something that clear. Yeah. It's not like two people having a conversation and somebody's like, here's this thing that sounds rehearsed (laughs) go for it (laughs) um for me it's probably like an eight and a half or a nine i only say that because we're not offended no yeah it's fine just because like like it was a really good movie but at the same time i saw it once like two weeks ago and watching it made me feel really uncomfortable but it made me think a lot and it was really intriguing i did like it a lot i don't know if i'd ever own it but i definitely watched it again so probably probably a nine probably a nine. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> all right yeah i i guess that's like a, i'm not sure i think man i'm what? trying to think whether or not i would buy this movie i would i think i would buy it i totally would i think i would especially i actually would like to buy it like physical copy because i'd love to see if there's any extra materials that mm, would be I really wonder, interesting i wonder if they have like deleted scenes yeah I could see how there might and be just some behind the scenes. Things. Yeah, I mean, I'd be mm-hmm. interested to see all the extra content that they. It have is for nice it. to see that he didn't lose his mind playing the Joker because that's like obviously the saddest thing. <laughs> that about was the ledger another thing. Yeah. That's another thing I was wondering was how much uh, I wondered if he did really any method acting for this role at all. Because like Leto was just weird as shit when he was the Joker. <laughs> His character, like, listen, well, no, I was, really no. hate, I really hate his rendition of the Joker, but at least it was something different. No, 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 oh no, I'm not, really I'm not just talking about his. Pro- okay, yeah, I, I wasn't just talking about that. I meant like off camera, like he was sending people weird things and he wouldn't talk to them, stuff oh, like that. That's what I was talking about, it, like losing it. your mind playing the Joker, and then like yeah. obviously Ledger so, went like, crazy and overdosed or something. As well. Yeah, yeah, like you know, Ledger shut himself up and ended up dying from an overdose or something yeah, because really. he went crazy during filming mm-hmm. that. So that's what I'm saying is it's nice to see somebody who seems to still be a functional human being outside of like playing the joker character who's a very unstable person but seems to be retaining his own sanity i think so based off of like the interview that i watched with jimmy fallon he seemed pretty much himself and i haven't heard any weird stories about him doing stuff on set like yeah you know sending people weird stuff or not talking to people unless they were filming or Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it is just nice to see that he could play such a good version of the joker and still be and not end up becoming an actual crazy person himself there's actually some footage of uh, i don't know i was kind of digging around on youtube because you know that's what you do but there was some there was some there was like a really short clip of and they haven't released any behind the scenes footage of heath ledger really during that movie but there is some kind of there's one clip where you can kind of see him it's not filming him it's filming something else but you can kind of see him like just having a conversation with somebody behind the scenes like being normal no, not being... yeah yeah well i know he wasn't so much weird on set it was what he did to himself like he shot himself in a hotel room and overdosed but that's the thing is like how far did you take the method acting yeah 
and then like, like he could Leto still, he still had far conversations the, with yeah. people and he was yeah. still down I think Leto is the one who wouldn't talk to people out like he stayed in character to talk to people he wouldn't mm-hmm. he wouldn't drop it or he just wouldn't talk to people unless they were filming and on top of that he sent people really freaky horrible things and he still did a bad job and he still did a terrible job yeah <laughs> no like, payoff at all that, that actually didn't even work he just ended up being the worst joker with the stupid <laughs> rah, 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 rah. there was so much bad about that. so much bad just that movie in general is so bad and i'm so disinterested for any other spin-off suicide i do the like second margot one, robbie though i, I do I, love- I didn't like her or that role mm. either so I am glad though that they didn't incorporate him into the Birds of Prey movie. Oh, I will. I mean, I don't think that that Birds of Prey movie looks like it's going to be all that good. Uh-huh. But I will say, props to them for for being like, nope, the Joker does not get to be in this. Like she says it explicitly in the trailer, the Joker and me were through. Well, mm-hmm. well, the, but there also there's a Joker and um, Harley Quinn movie in the works too. So. I don't think which that- it's probably a prequel to Suicide Squad would be my guess is what they'll do with it if it gets produced. But if it gets reviews, they are making Suicide Squad two though. They are. They, they? are. I did not. It has see a massive cast. I only uh, know this because I follow Nathan Fillion uh, on Instagram. So he's in, in it. it. So you're gonna watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry because I don't want to watch it. I want to hate it. But I'm gonna go watch it now. Well, what so. if what if they've learned from the other one and this one's actually like a lot better? I mean, yeah. The other the first one it flopped, didn't it? Yeah. It did pretty bad at the box office. I think. I don't remember honestly. I. But. Um, I'll look it up I don't and know. see. The first one was, it was just bad. It was just terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I typed in Suicide Squad and it was saying that 740, almost 747 million. That's pretty good. That's good, That's really I guess. Good, actually. <laughs> I figured it would not do as well because I know critically it did terribly, obviously, like 27% of Rotten Tomatoes. Well, uh, this but. one's already, uh, Joker is already almost at a billion, like I said earlier. Yeah, clearly so. not in the same not in the ballpark of like good movies how much did we don't need to start this conversation this is like the very first conversation we ever had on this podcast but how much did endgame make because that's kind of the oh they made a lot it well it broke the it broke the record record. yeah Yeah. uh right just a hair under 2.8 billion dang that's so much more than i thought i didn't know it broke 2 billion so i mean i'm sure that's worldwide anywhere close i'm sure that's worldwide (laughs) oh of course but it was also, they have a little, uh, did you know, which is right here, without even clicking on a website, uh, Avengers Endgame is the fastest film to reach 500 million worldwide and only took it three days. I did know that. I didn't know that, but I also didn't care because I didn't, I'm not going to watch Endgame. Have you not seen it? Then? No, I'm not going to oh. watch it and I don't care. Did you watch it? Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I watched it like three times. <laughs> In theaters? Yeah. <laughs> it was so long. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> See, I don't have the attachment to those... I got kind of once after Age of Ultron, I kind of said I'm done because I felt like they were just making the same thing over and over again. Like, I don't really, I love the Avengers, but at the same time, like it's all the same. They're starting to. But I think that because of um, Endgame being like the last with all of them, it was just like I had to see it. You know, (laughs) I had to. The last. Yeah, Yeah, the last. Just like oh, I so called it. You remember when we had a conversation about how Game of Thrones was over and you were got and we had uh, we you and argue you and aaron were arguing against me and i was like it's not over they're gonna make more game of thrones because it's a cash cow and you guys are like no i think they're actually done they're making more <laughs> really i didn't yeah. know what? that what are they they're making? not making like season nine but they're making a spin-off game of thrones spin-off uh, oh okay so i mean to be fair though it'll probably be good because game of thrones is really good 
wouldn't know. You should watch it. It's really good. <laughs> it's really like well done. You would probably so. like it. It's the high fantasy stuff that's intelligent and well written, and it's not stupid. Like it's. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Aaron thinks the same thing. He thinks you would really like it. Listen, it's not. It's everyone. Anyone who's ever watched that movie thinks it's great. Or, I know. Uh, TV I know. But show, I'm saying so. Aaron and you tend to agree on a lot of things that you. Like. I know I would like it. I just, there's, I don't know if I'm stubborn or what it is, but I just. Okay. For me, I just don't want to jump on that, the bandwagon just yet, you know? <laughs> let it, let it give it a few more years. I mean, at this point, it's then... not really bandwagoning because they finished and. I know, but everyone's And it's such an still... old, well, I mean, it started so long ago that yeah. it's not really bandwagoning at this point. Yeah, like, but everyone's still just like, oh, have you I think it's Game becoming one of more of one of those things where, like, it's going to become like the Harry Potter or the Lord of the Rings where it's like, you have to see it to be culturally literate because everybody watched it mm -hmm. and everybody loved it so it's in i think it's going to become one of those things like okay, star well, wars by that point then i'll watch it <laughs> but i'm but i'm saying it's already kind of starting to get to that point because like, what did it start in like 2011 or something yeah, so it's uh, been 2012 yeah, I, I 2011 i completely something. gauged that off the rooster teeth podcast so do i, so I, have no idea. I think it was like which, 2011 speaking of which okay. we had the very first mention of and i was waiting for this the very first mention of snapchat and it is like, because I wasn't using social media when it came around, but it was actually a sexting app. I was not. Oh yeah, with that. you didn't know that. I had oh, heard yeah. people talk about it, but because Matt the... uses it, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, have you guys heard of this sexting app, Snapchat?" And they're like, "What? <laughs> like you're married with kids, Matt?" I <laughs> sent them to his wife. <laughs> so, in case anybody's wondering, 2013 is when Snapchat. No, 2012. Well. Because Hannah just posted a picture on her Snapchat the other day of, like, her snap... She joined Snapchat in, like, November of 2012. It is funny, though, how that has, like, changed. And, like, I forget sometimes that it started that way, but that's the whole point of there being a timer on the pictures. Right. Which, obviously, right. it's gone away from that so that it can Yeah, now everybody sets it for infinity. platform. Yeah, but. like, where it just doesn't time out. That's how everybody sets them now. Like, I can't remember the last time somebody sent me a snap that had a timer on it. Or a video. <laughs> they do, like, that's rude. Or a video that didn't... <laughs> I have to waste my replay. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah nobody does that anymore so sometimes i forget that it did start as a sexting thing and i'm like oh right yeah that's why i forget that you can even change the time on them until somebody sends me one that i'm like mm, it's like oh. wait gotta watch it again because <laughs> i'm never even thinking about it and then i'm like wait where did it go <laughs> but to bring it full circle i cannot blame aaron for not responding to snapchat sometimes because mine randomly stopped i don't get notifications on snapchat anymore when's the last time you updated it <laughs> no I, I don't I, I don't update my apps but I like I just stop I don't get notifications anymore so I'll open up Snapchat and it's like oh man I've been on Snapchat in a week and I'll have like one that's like three days old from you and one from Felix and I don't Snapchat anyone else so none from anybody else but like they'll be days old and they're like I never got notifications for these so oh I do so I don't know what your problem is <laughs> all right well we're done <laughs> yeah get on Briar's level no, but go see Joker if you haven't seen Joker yet because yeah. it's crazy good. It is really good. And it doesn't promote senseless violence or rioting. What it really is for anybody who's concerned that it is promoting those things or glorifying them, it's really a look more at in a realistic world, like something that very much mirrors our own more so than other versions of Gotham City. How would you get to that point? How would you get to the point of people being so fed up and angry that they were willing to go to those extremes and how would how would an individual end up in a position like the joker if we were to look at it from a real world well, standpoint? that's kind of the beauty of it is that 
the the city is what turns him into the Joker, and mm-hmm. so in turn he ends up being the villain of that city. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a. It, it's definitely Among not a thousand a, other Batman villains. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it really but it's to live yeah. In the city. <laughs> but it's definitely not a a movie that seems to be promoting you know rioting or violence or anarchy or any of those things that go with the Joker normally or that people are accusing this movie of because that's not the point of it. No. And there is a very... Listen, even... people, the point of it is to make millions of dollars, if also, not billions. That is true. That's that the is point true. That is the, so, that's the goal. <laughs> just look at it for what it is. It's to make billions of dollars. Just like, that's that's also part of the reason I hate the Avengers franchise and stuff. Because yeah, they're, they're just a money they're million. They, they, yeah, found, yeah. they found what people like, they found the formula, and now they're just going to change start changing the color and the mm-hmm. title of the formula and just keep mm-hmm. throwing them back in so yeah what's going to be the worst is when it gets to the point where they start recycling superheroes and they'll be like oh we haven't used iron man in a while let's get a new person to be iron man and it'll be like nobody's going to be as good as robert oh downey gosh. jr if nobody's going to play captain america as well remakes, as chris evans if they do remakes i'm not going to watch uh, i don't know if they'll like go that far i don't know okay. i was listening to a podcast that somebody was talking about how they're already starting to discuss like they know that those networks are or not networks but those studios are already starting to discuss just like very very preliminary discussions listen about there's so much when to start pick those characters back up and there's so much good original content in marvel comic books there's so many other good stories just that's what i'm saying but the problem is is you wonder if they're going to fall into the same cycle that disney has fallen into of like oh we have a new generation of people coming up ah well they are disney I know. Yeah, I, so well, I know. I know. But I mean, what they're okay. Okay, sorry. Yes, they are Disney. But I mean, like what you're seeing with like Which classic Disney stories of like, oh, let's remake the Lion King. The Lion King's not even that old. But like w- somebody pointed out, all of the people who were little kids when the Lion King came out now are now getting to the kids. age where they have little yeah. kids, and so Disney feels like, oh, well, we got to remake it. So my concern is that they're going to do the same thing with like Iron Man and Captain like America. You know, whatever. 15 years from now, they're going to be like. Because, I mean, Iron Man came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's in all these other movies. But, what you know, 15 years from now, they might decide, like, well, all of those people that were little kids in 2008, this origin they all have kids that are the right age to watch an Iron Man movie. Yeah. Let's make a new one. And Maybe. it'll be like, we haven't forgotten Robert Downey Jr. Like, and you're not going to replace him. Like, you're not mm-hmm. going to find somebody better to play that role. I feel like if they did that, they just flop. I don't know. Like, I don't know though. That's the problem. That, is you would hope I know. you I want know. it to. Flop I want it to so flop. badly. You want it to. But that's how I feel about like the new Lion King movie. I wanted it to flop, but I think it did well. It did well. I felt that they could do better. Well, okay. The you know, they could do better original the, content. You know, <laughs> that. true, true. Hey, Frozen Two. That's original content. <laughs> okay. Too long already. I don't know how long we've been going, but we're gonna have to call it quits. Uh, if you see if Aaron, you have, let us know. If you see Aaron, as usual, give us a holler. Uh, if you have anything worthy of note or not worthy of note to say, just email us at limitedeverything at gmail.com and subscribe, tell people whatever We would else. appreciate it. Briar, what are your uh, passing comments for the listeners of this show? And there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> if only we had just, maybe we'll post a picture. <laughs> Um, it was a lot of fun being on here, and um, oh, it was really interesting. Good content. Yes, yeah, good content, people. Good Don't content. forget that. Yeah, mm, that's <laughs> our new slogan. Good.